You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Welcome to Dental Talk. I'm Dr. Phil Klein. Today we'll be discussing sleep deprivation and how it's impossible to be a poor sleeper and enjoy optimal health and vitality. 60% of people report problems with sleep quality and quantity. The results of this are chronic inflammation, insulin resistance, stubborn fat, poor judgment, weaker immune systems, cognitive decline, and memory loss. And there's probably a lot of other things that I didn't mention that are associated with sleep deprivation. So we can all agree our dental patients don't escape the fallout of sleep deficiency. And it's important to us as healthcare providers to understand the dental implications of all this. So to sort it out for us here today, our guest, Dr. Uchi Odiatu, he's the author of Miracle of Health, a professional member of the American College of Sports Medicine and a practicing dentist in Toronto. He has given 500 plus lectures in various countries and has lectured at the ADA annual session 14 times since 2006. That's impressive. He has recently presented an amazing webinar on Viva Learning titled The Value-Added New Patient Exam, Four Patient Lifestyle Habits That Influence Healing. So I encourage everyone to watch that recorded version of that webinar. You can find it on vivalearning.com by going to the search field and typing in Dr. Otiatu's name, uh, it's spelled O-D-I-A-T-U, O-D-I-A-T-U. And if you type that in the search field, you'll find his webinar that I just mentioned, which is really worth watching. Dr. Odiatu, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk. Hey, thank you. I love sharing. I'm, if there's a, a, an opportunity to share my passion for total health, I am there. So I appreciate the invite. Yeah, and we're getting more and more uh, discussions on, on the mouth-body connection, and we're really glad to have you on, especially with all the stuff you've done in teaching, you've published. Uh, so it's, we're very, very happy to have you on the show. So to begin, what does sleep deprivation do to the body? Well, it's, 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 it's amazing how destructive it is. I think, you know, on January 1st, people make all kinds of health resolutions about losing weight, stopping smoking, exercising. But in 25 years of uh, being on the road and sharing, I've never heard anyone say, this year I'm going to sleep more. For some mm -hmm. reason, people think sleep is automatic, but sleep is so foundational any time that the body's not sleeping well, the body starts breaking down and is unable to repair from the day's awake state. The awake state is catabolic. The sleep state is reparative and anabolic. I can't agree with you more. In fact, the other day I took a walk in my neighborhood and there's an elderly woman who's well into her 80s. And I said, boy, you have a lot of energy. And she goes, you know what? I made sure that throughout my whole life I took naps and I slept well. That's what she told me. So I thought that was... <laughs> Very ironic that I just had this discussion with this with my neighbor or almost my neighbor, and uh, she's certainly one that takes sleep seriously. And I agree with you. Sleep deprivation is something that could really starve the body of a system that allows us to heal and and many many chemical reactions that occur in our sleep that we're not aware of. So how does this affect the dentist? Like why is this so important to the dental practitioner? Well, everything we do is is as stress to the body, like whether you're scaling and root planing, uh, you're, you're, you're debriding, you're taking away calculus, whether you're putting in an implant, whether you're extracting, whether you're placing retraction cord, whether you're placing a Toffelmeyer band, whether you're um, uh, polishing a margin below the gum line, um, everything we do requires, is, is almost like an insult to the body. Sure, you're doing something good, but it's an insult to the body and the body has to heal and bounce back. Basically, during the day, the human body is on standby, but the immune system, all sleep scientists agree, 
it goes into high gear at nighttime. So anytime the body's not sleeping well, the body's not healing well. In order for a patient to be a good healer and respond well to our treatments, it has to heal well. This is why, you know, 70% of patients who aren't sleeping well, um, they are unable. They're sabotaging the good that the good of their intentions, the good of the clinical provider. So you're a dentist in Toronto and you see a lot of patients and you're also obviously, you know, really tuned into to this the miracle of health, your 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 book and, and so forth and all the teachings that you do. What do you do in your practice to not only identify sleep deprivation, but how do you handle that with your patient and how do you address that and how does it affect your treatment? Yeah, great question. I think on the new patient exam, I bring up sleep and people often think it's all about not snoring. And I say it's much more than that. I tell them it's, it's quantity and quality. And I said, I've time and again, I said, my patients who are poor sleepers are poor healers. So if you are sleeping less than seven hours a night, or if you're a shift worker, which is about 30% of patients or one in three, um, they're not going to respond well to the things we do. So I said, a lot of what we do here, you'll spend maybe two to three hours a year in our office, but you spend, you know, 88,600 hours at home. So I said, a third of that is spent sleeping. So I said, when you're sleeping, you're healing. So um, that is something new for most patients. Um, on the post-op instructions, I share with them about um, the only time the patient's going to heal after an extraction is, is at nighttime. And most patients here, oh, don't, don't, you know, don't smoke, don't suck through a straw, uh, that kind of thing. But many people don't realize it's the sleep where the body heals and repairs. So it's, it's so foundational, but I think the best coaches in the NFL, the NBA, the NHL focus on the fundamentals, but everyone looks for the esoteric, the fringe things that get people healthy. But sleep is so foundational, but 70%, the research shows that 70% of patients, 70% of North Americans don't get the seven to nine hours of quality sleep that they need each night for basic optimal health. Yeah, and I, I'm sure that that's the case. Now, what about rough patches where you kind of sleep for two hours, you kind of wake up, try to fall back to sleep? Is that dangerous as well? I mean, is that considered deprived sleep as well? That's also an issue. You see people actually, when they have interrupted sleep, the stages have to start all over again. So they go one, stage one, two, three, REM, rapid eye movement sleep, one, two, three, REM. And it takes about 90 minutes for an adult to go through all, all each stage, one, two, three, REM. And what happens is if you interrupt it, with uh, nighttime awakening for the bathroom, or uh, one of the second most common insomnia is, is sleep maintenance. People have, don't have a problem getting to sleep, they have problems staying to sleep, just either having a glass of wine before bed or eating a heavy meal before bed or just a higher cortisol. So what happens is uh, these people aren't resting deeply. So anytime that sleep is interrupted, uh, that person will wake up feeling unwell. So even though they might've been in bed eight hours or nine hours, if the sleep efficiency, which is, they say after age 60, is about 70%, they are going to age poorly. They'll have background levels of chronic inflammation. They'll find themselves uh, not being able to, to uh, heal or grow after a hard workout. And they'll have troubles with, with healing after, an, after an, an implant. And, you know, all these companies are worried about um, peri-implantitis. And we talk about strengthening the clinical protocols. But we don't realize that 90% of it is in the patient's court. And a person's not sleeping well is sabotaging everything we do. And this is where it comes into play. Like, what can we do to support them? What can we do to help boost their um, realization many times for the first time in their lives, how important sleep is to the overall healing uh, uh, procedures. So what can we do as dental practitioners to help them through this process where they may be compromised, their healing potential is compromised due to 
poor sleep. Let's take a look at periodontal disease and you're doing scaling root planning. You want to get the soft tissue to heal and you're having some problems getting them to getting the tissue to heal properly. What are some of the things we can do? Well, the whole idea about it, if someone's sleep deprived, which is 70%, so seven out of 10 patients are sleep deprived, it's really hard habit to turn that runaway freight train. Dr. Phil talks about many people's problems are a runaway freight train. So it's really hard to stop a runaway freight train. But what they can do, though, is that night they can get themselves better oral hygiene products. And, and it, it sounds so glib, but simply, you know, people love an easy step. Many times the first step to health is gargantuan, you know, hiring a trainer, um, uh, going for polysomnography and booking that appointment. But all it's, it's about lowering the inflammatory burden. So I talk about, you know, the hygiene appointment, we're lowering the inflammatory burden. I talk about replacing some bulky crowns with a better contoured crowns of lowering the inflammatory burden because sleep, poor sleep is anti, is, is inflammatory. Um, things like a power brush, you know, think of the Sonicare, think of the power flosser, you know, th these things, the water flosser, this is actually, these are um, lowering the inflammatory burden. So they can go home on the way home, go into a drugstore, go into a department store and, and, and buy some products that lower the inflammatory burden. And maybe over time they can become better sleepers, but people often want to find, want to have an easy first step to health. And I think when the first step is easy, now they have early success. Now they feel successful and now they're ready for the next thing. So I, I, I really like sharing with people easy first steps because most people's um, prediction is the first step is huge. And that's why most people don't even get started. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. And that sounds like a coach, which I think you are actually in, in your sports medicine part of your life. And it does sound like the best way to go, because if you try to reach a goal and the first step is, like you said, is so large, it's like, oh my God, I don't know if I can do that. And they never do anything. So by taking a smaller step and actually addressing the local inflammation, like you said, reduces the burden. And then you kind of worry about the big issue, which is the sleep deprivation next. And you can address that, but at least you're controlling the local inflammatory burden in the mouth. Is that the point? Yes. And, and, and I think many people, and again, you, you look at you and I, we're discussing something, the science, some of it's new age, uh, some of it's prevention, some of it's complementary. I think many people have a hard time getting their head around it. So many, chair side, you don't have an hour, you don't have six months of coaching. You basically have two or three minutes to, to share with them how, how important it is. But a big part of that is looking the part. I think when the clinical provider looks healthy, when you yourself are walking the talk, the communication comes across as a lot more authentic. And I think when it's authentic, it's patients, and I call it, they suspend their disbelief for our certainty. And it's our certainty in our products. It's our certainty in our treatments. And it's our belief in lowering the inflammatory burden. They got people think, you know what? This person, this, you know, this hygienist, this dentist is saying things a little differently. I'm going to suspend, suspend my disbelief and I'm going to move towards healing. And basically it's, it's that shift in perception from something that we do to them, that they can do themselves. Now, now they are participants in their own healing. So, you know, they get some products, they have some early success. And, and that's what I see. I, I like to see that shift in how they look at me. It's not something I'm doing to them. It's something we're sharing. And ultimately it's something that they do at home because that's where they spend most of their time. You know, yeah. 8,600 8, hours a year spent at home. Two to three hours is spent in our office. Yeah, and that, that's a, a great way to interact with your patients. And it's a total health approach, which I think is becoming more and more prevalent in a lot of offices, uh, especially in the initial uh, engagement with the patient. So once you get them 
into the routine of doing things at home. And you mentioned some Philips products, and I'm sure there are others that help them reduce the local inflammatory burden in the gingival sulcus and, and in their mouth in general. Do you recommend something to them about trying to find a way to sleep better? Well, as much as the fact that, a great question, as much as the, the fact that they've actually come to me, you know, and I've had my own polysomnography, I've had the sleep study, you'd be surprised how many people are actually a little resistant. It sounds like something a little scary. Anytime something's a little scary for patients, they have some hesitancy, which means they'll probably postpone doing it. So as little as something like a sleep mask, you know, a, a huge part of the brain is for visual input. So the minute you have some blackout curtains, or the minute you have a really dark room, and a patient's have a spouse or a partner that watches TV or reads, I say, you know, a $5, $10, $15 sleep mask, which they can get at a travel store or a drugstore, immediately blocks that light. So now we're giving them a $5 to $10 to $15 solution. And I'll mention, you know, about having cool, cool the room. Many people want an ambient temperature of, you know, 72, 74 degrees Fahrenheit. But, you know, sleep scientists have shown that 65 degrees is the sweet spot. It's the temperature that the body loves in the ambient room, which allows you to get under the covers. And that's where you have the deepest sleep, where you'll actually sustain deep sleep for the seven to nine hours, which means not leaving the bed. You know, you could have some nighttime awakenings, but you're not going to get out of bed because the body is enjoying the stage one, two, three, and the REM sleep. So um, having easy solutions like a sleep mask, um, keeping the room cool, and it seems so basic, but many of the best coaches in, in you know professional sport, it's the basics that they really push into the players, and that's where they master. Yeah, that's interesting. What about supplements regarding melatonin or L-tryptophan? What's your thoughts on those? You know, from what I've read, and you know, some of the sleep scientists now out of Berkeley and, and Stanford, uh, they're saying that melatonin works best for the 70-plus-year-old patient or client or customer, 70-plus. Under 70, many times melatonin is a placebo. And uh, in Canada, what I've heard with a lot of supplements, it's not very regulated. So you might think your, your tablet or your capsule says this contains melatonin. How much melatonin does it really contain? You know, how much is really inside? So supplements is one way, but I think foundation is sleep mask, you know, keep the room cool. Um, don't have a big meal before bedtime. You'd be surprised how much energy digestion takes. So one of the biggest users of energy is digestion. So if someone eats within two hours of bedtime, eats a fairly large meal, they'll, they'll, their body will spend almost majority of the night digesting food. And after eight hours, they'll wake up feeling unrested. So also not drinking a glass of wine before bed. Many people have a nightcap of a glass of wine or a scotch or some a drambui. These help you get to sleep, but they don't help you stay asleep. They encourage you know, hypoglycemia. It also um, shortens the REM sleep and people dream less, which is a big part of feeling rested because it's during REM sleep that the body processes emotion and processes memory. So a, a lot goes into it. I think a lot of people want the, the one, one fix all, but you got to approach it many different ways. And I, you know, from the patient's expression or the patient's age or the patient's, you know, financial means, I will, you know, alter it. And you've really got to be flexible and see where the patient looks engaged. And you got to look right at the patient and seeing, okay, this patient's kind of, you know, um, not really engaged. Let's change subjects. So let's approach it differently. So it's really important for the, the, the clinical provider to be aware of when you're getting the patient's attention to really see where the most impact is to get them healthy. Yeah, there's a lot of psychology there and you need a lot of experience, which you have to make that judgment to make sure you're going the right direction with your conversation. Um, this has been very helpful, this podcast. I want to wrap it up because I know we have another one on nutrition essentials for the busy dental professional. And I'm excited to do that with you. But just to end this one, 
last question, maybe it sounds silly. What about napping? Does, does taking a nap during the day make you less likely to have good sleep at night or does it add the value of some extra sleep that uh, will help you heal and, and make up for possible sleep deprivation during the night? Yeah, you know, you know elite performers, elite athletes, are big nappers. And, you know, Matthew Walker, he's a neuroscientist out of Berkeley, um, reports, and I've heard uh, Michael Howard, PhD neurophysiologist, say that um, a 20 to 30 minute nap before three o'clock, so after three, you start disturbing your regular nighttime sleep cycle, so which is you don't want to do. But before three o'clock, 20 to 30 minutes is equal to an hour of solid slumber. Um, but, but, but if an athlete wanted more growth hormone, if someone to integrate, you know, newer, new athletic patterns, you know, napping is one way to do it. But so the average patient is thinking, hey, I'm not an athlete. Why would napping help me? Well, you want to integrate new learning. You want to have growth. You want to be better at managing blood sugar. And all those happen when you're a better sleeper. So if 20 to 30 minutes helps the athlete, it'll help the busy new mom. It'll help the busy student. Uh, it'll help the, the, we're all, many people now are working from home. So 20 to 30 minutes at home, you know, you nap before three o'clock, it's equal to an hour. So that's, it's an easy way to get, and the science shows, you know, napping helps support the body rest and, and getting to that reparative sleep mode. And this woman who takes these walks in my neighborhood in her 80s says that she lives by taking naps for the last 50, 60 years. She says she tries to take a nap every day and it's working nice. for her. No, this makes tremendous sense. And I, I, I don't mean to use a single example as a basis for something, but with your knowledge and, and the, the literature, I, I, I've heard that before. And um, it's something certainly to consider if, you know, if we have the ability to take that time out during the day. And like you said, we're before this podcast, we talked offline with everybody rushing to achieve things and do things and take care of the family. It's, it's not that easy to block off 30 minutes and, and get that nap. That's for sure. Dr. Odiatu, I appreciate the input that you've had in this podcast, and we look forward to having you on others. And again, uh, please tap into Dr. Odiatu's webinar, as I mentioned earlier in the introduction, the value-added new patient exam for patient lifestyle habits that influence healing. Something you really should see. It's available on vivalearning.com. Just search Dr. Odiatu's name and you'll find it. Thank you very much. We appreciate it.